welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Uh, morning, Frank. How was Jasper? Great time. Uh, we had an unreal trip. Great group of guys and gals. And uh, look, it was warm. The conditions were near perfect, plus two on Saturday. Did No one got hurt, and there were no defibrillators used on me. So, I mean, I can't think of a better weekend than that. Well, you sent me a picture, Frank, because I, I, I shot you off a text, and I just wanted to kind of know how the weekend was going. And you sent a, a picture of the uh, uh, the rag ragtag uh, daily face-off team, I guess you could call it. Well, like, just to give our listeners a little uh, insight of who was on this team and how you guys did. Yeah, so we had former NHL defenseman Jay, or forward Jay Rosehill, uh, the pride of Olds, Alberta. And he was there. Uh, Nick Alberga from our – he does the Leafs morning show uh, with uh, Jay Rosehill. We also had our friend Alex from Betway. And Adam Seaborn from our Playmaker headquarters in Toronto. So we had a, a great uh, group of guys. And, and look, we going two and one, um, thought the results could have been a little bit better. But this isn't going to shock you. But the guys from Calgary, they were, were kind of hardos. So uh, <laughs> that, was, that was the tough part. Friday night, we're just getting there after a four-hour drive. And these guys are just jamming it down our throats in the snow. <laughs> could barely well, see the puck. They had one light tower. There, see, that's like a mini battle of Alberta, Frank. That's how it goes out here. Yeah, what? Calgary's always trying to catch up to everyone else. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Text. How about this, uh, Frank? I got to throw this one at you. Text from Tiger. Get, uh, I need your comment on it. Uh, from Tiger, did you know that Frank played in the same hockey association as Johnny Hockey? Uh, and that's kind of topical with Columbus in town. Uh, let our listeners know all about that, Frank. So, yeah, from the same area, same, we would have played in the same league. He's a bit younger than I am, so I wouldn't have crossed paths with him. But, um, yeah, it was much more in the Nick Felino vintage in in my <laughs> league than I was the Johnny Gaudreau vintage. Vintage. Uh, Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. So we discussed this uh, last week with Corey Perry. Now he surfaces in Edmonton. What's your take on that? Beautiful fit. I think the fact that they're able to add really Corey Perry and Holloway at the same time is a huge boost. And the fact that they don't have to expend any assets to do it is is excellent. I, I just think... When you look at this player and his style of play and what he can contribute to the rest of your room, I I don't think you can put a proper value on it. And I just I think the only thing better than for the Oilers than all of this happening, winning the Perry sweepstakes when there were a number of other teams in the mix, is that the only thing better would have been if he played his former team in Chicago on Thursday, <laughs> but it looks like Looks like that's going to wait until Saturday. Yeah, I think Saturday's uh, his debut, where exactly he fits in the lineup. And again, I think that's one of the reasons that they got him here is that he has that ability to go from fourth line right winger. He can fill in at center. He can play anywhere and move up to even at the top six uh, to pinch I, hit up there too as well. I was, I was going to say, I, I'd be careful to pencil him in so far down the lineup. Mm-hmm. He might start there, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a, a sp- uh, stint at 2RW uh, to see if he could be one of those guys that's feeding pucks to, to Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. 
Well, again, everything, options, that's what coaches want, and, yeah. and Corey Perry uh, gives them that. Uh, around the league, Frank, as far as uh, trade deadline acquisitions and uh, trade possibilities, you've had your uh, rundown going on here for a good week now. So, uh, Sean Monahan, and we actually had another text. Can you explain uh, to one of our listeners the fact that you know, we will be likely two first-round picks that Montreal would get? Uh, explain that for us. Thanks. Oh, man, this is one of my favorite tweets of all time. So I put this out <laughs> yesterday, and people weren't connecting the dot that the Habs already got a first-round pick for to take on Sean Monahan from Calgary mm-hmm. back in 2022. So they already got one, and my point is they should get another late first-round pick for whoever decides to pick up Monahan at the deadline. And the reason for that's really simple. Like he's on track for 55 points this year and people can say, Oh, well he's, you know, as fragile as a glass house that that may be the case, but he's played. He hasn't been hurt this year and teams only need him to be healthy for two more months after the deadline. It's not, you know, a forever thing. So you look at the way that he's played now, all the different areas that he impacts the game, power play in a bumper spot or net front presence. He's 95th in in the 95th percentile in the NHL this season in high danger shots. Penalty kill can win big faceoffs. He's fifth in the league among left-handed centermen this season with at least 600 draws. Like there's not a place in the game that Sean Monahan isn't, you know, helping you in some way get better. And so for a late first round pick, when you go through the comps, whether it was Andrew Kopp or Paul Stasny or, you know, a Barkley Goodrow, those are three guys that are centers in this league that all have production in the year that they were traded at a lower level than what Sean Monahan has done already to this point. That that seems to be a really valid comp. Mm-hmm. And his contract is just under $2 million, so that helps teams fit him in. And if the Habs are willing to retain half, you're talking about – 500 it's actually technically under a million bucks uh that's that's a pretty juicy guy to fit into your team for under a million bucks do you think frank that he's more uh are more eastern teams interested in than western teams it's really hard to determine how many and where um because when you look at the number of teams that are really in need of a center like there are uh, certainly some teams in the East that stand out like Boston to me for one is we've been talking about that all year. The fact that they'd go into the playoffs with Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as their two centers, it kind of seems unlikely, but you look at the West and Winnipeg, Vancouver, you could, you could throw the Oilers into that mix now that they've sort of solved the right wing portion, hopefully with Corey Perry, that, you know, three C what, how do they handle McLeod in that position? Certainly a valid question to ask, or do they turn their sights to to adding a defender now that Perry's in? Um, that remains to be seen, but like there's no shortage of teams, Colorado, I didn't even mention, like yeah. that certainly could use a center. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff with us on Sports 1440. For the Philadelphia Flyers, who you have obviously a, a close uh, close eye on, Frank, being from there, um, where where do you think the Flyers are? Because their expectations, they've exceeded them to be where they are right now in the standings, but do they have enough to maintain that here as we approach the deadline? And what do they do? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that they do. I think John Tortorella has 
begun preparing everyone in the marketplace for that. He said last week in a podcast interview that people are going to be disappointed because they have to stick to the script. And there's a number of other teams, you know, despite a late run here or there for the Calgary Flames, they've, you know, certainly played better in the last number of weeks or the Coyotes or whoever, the Kraken, whoever it might be, you've got to stick to the plan. And for the Flyers, they were heading into this season you know, kickstarting their rebuild with the pieces that they traded away. They've vastly exceeded expectations. Can they still be a playoff team? The math would suggest yes, of course. But I, I think they're going to continue on with selling off pieces, and I, I think Sean Walker would be the guy that they're starting mm-hmm. with. And Calgary's basically in the same boat, you think? Yeah, look, can be a playoff team. If you are the eighth seed this year in the West, good luck. As Daryl Sutter said, it's a waste of eight days. And if the Flames, you know, they're not they're not going to get lost on the you know the big picture here to try and make this year happen and not be a threat. It just further increases the pain. Uh, last night, L.A. loses again in a shootout, albeit to San Jose. Where are you at with where the Kings are and where they are moving forward here? They're truly one of the most confounding teams in the league. The last you know, I'd say six to eight weeks. Like we're talking about an extended run now. They're nine, 10 and five. And that's like 500 hockey is not great in the NHL. Sub 500 is is certainly saying something. And you kind of look to pinpoint, well, yeah, they're giving up a lot, but I don't know that it's necessarily on the goalie. Mm -hmm. Cam Talbot started this year on fire, 930 some save percentage. But his numbers since then, they're not great, but they're kind of just south of league average. He's at 897 his last, I think, 15 games. That's not awful. The Oilers and other teams have seen way worse this year. But they're just giving up too much. And part of it is, and I can't really explain this, the structure that they had through their neutral zone was so good and so crisp to start the year it's almost fallen apart and teams have picked through it way easier. I don't know why that is. You heard some questions and rumblings about Todd McClellan's job status. Uh, Last week, Rob Blake had to address it and say point blank, uh, you know, we're not making a coaching change. And I think that's the right call. It's just, it's hard to explain a team that's this deep, that has this much talent at seemingly every position aside from goal that they'd really be backed into this spot after starting the year so well. Uh, quick text uh, from Team Dean for you, Frank, just to double back on Monahan. Is Frank hinting at the Oilers on Monahan? Uh, with McLeod being able to play the wing, yada, yada, sure to be cheap depth. Thoughts on that, Frank? The Oilers well, he, and Monahan. As we, as we discussed, maybe acquisition-wise, not incredibly cheap, but I do think the Oilers would be one of those teams that would be inquiring to say, hey, what's the price here? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his interest in co- in coming to Edmonton? And can we make something like this happen? Among the list of possibilities to consider, I would have to think that Sean Monahan's on there somewhere. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. Uh, last night, Frank Pittsburgh in Arizona, the uh, the big own goal. Uh, what did you make of that? And just how about Sidney Crosby's reaction after the goal went in? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I don't – I can't remember, and apparently this is a first in NHL history to get a power play goal without getting a power play shot on goal. Mm-hmm. 
I can't, I mean, accidents happen. And I, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, earlier this month, when they kept replaying that, uh, that Dallas stars, you know, empty netter that jumped over the stick that resulted in that other end rush by the Oilers. Some things just don't. The Patrick Steffen goal, you mean? Yeah. The yeah, Patrick, Patrick Steffen, then Jared stole the Ryan Smith, the hammer. Yeah. 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 Like that. How do you explain something like that? This is kind of like what that is, is like, what Chris Letang? What? <laughs> well, and then like we were saying, like if, if you were to place blame on that, are you going fifty-fifty on these two guys, Letang and and Malkin? I'm going more toward Letang than I am <laughs> Malkin, but not by much. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, the reaction from Sidney Crosby—it's almost like this is how our season's been going. I don't know. And and that that really is kind of a microcosm of the 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 Pens' entire year. Like a lot of their underlying metrics have been good. They've played their best hockey for the most part in the last couple weeks. They're at like a six forty seven points percentage since the day that Kyle Dubas came out and said we have until the All Star break to figure this out before I need to consider what to do at the deadline, and then. You have a situation that pops up like last night. You look at the standings today and you're like, oh, five points out. I know mm-hmm. those teams, you have a couple games in hand. And we still love our goal differential, which everyone says, hey, look, that's the best you know, indicator for success. It's been that way for a while for the Penguins since the start of the year. And Crosby's had this all-world year again. How is this team mm-hmm. not in the playoffs? No, no. Uh, anything else on your mind, Frank, before we, we cut you loose? We probably did. Well, we have one more show technically before the All-Star break here on Thursday, but anything else uh, on your mind as we head into the break here? Just uh, trade deadline mode today. Yeah. I, I had the Monahan story yesterday. Today we've got uh, trade destinations for Jacob Chikrin. The Oilers will be on the list, mm. but only because they were so close to getting him last year. I don't, I don't think he's quite what they need now, but um, certainly there was – some pretty significant interest there last year, and it came down to the wire between Chikrin and Ekholm. So uh, Chikrin trade destinations today and a new trade targets board on Wednesday that will give us plenty to chew up on Thursday. Beautiful. Well, a 13-game winning streak definitely helps uh, when you're trying to attract players, doesn't it? It's 13 plus the eight earlier, and it's, <laughs> what, 21 and three? Yeah, twenty. Well, yeah, 23 and six under Knobloch. So that means... But tw- I think they're yeah. 21 and 3 in their last in, 24. Exactly, yeah. insane. Insane. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for this. We'll uh, yak at you on Thursday. Have a good one, bud. Sounds good. See ya. All right, that's Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff.